This episode contains references to death, loss of a child, and emotional abuse. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. The following is from The Lady's Maid's Bell by Edith Wharton. Suddenly, a loud noise wakened me. My bell had rung. I sat up, terrified by the unusual sound which seemed to go on jangling through the darkness. My hands shook so that I couldn't find the matches. At length, I struck a light and jumped out of bed. I began to think I must have been dreaming, but I looked at the bell against the wall, and there was the little hammer still quivering. I was just beginning to huddle on my clothes when I heard another sound. The sound was very faint, but I was quite sure it was a woman's step. I turned cold with the thought of it, and for a minute or two, I danced breathe or move. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. In this series, we reimagine ghostly tales from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This week's episode is the second in our series Edith and Edith. In honor of Women's History Month, we'll be adapting the ghost stories of two of Gothic horror's greatest women writers, Edith Nesbitt and Edith Wharton. And today, we're telling a tale from the sensational Edith Wharton. Edith Wharton didn't release her first novel until she was 40. But despite her late start, she was incredibly prolific. She published over 80 short stories and 15 novels during her career, as well as various poems and critiques. Her most famous piece, Age of Innocence, made her the first woman to earn the Pulitzer Prize. Wharton wrote many genres, from comedy to romance, but she was a natural at horror. And today's story, The Lady's Maid's Bell, was her very first ghost story. Published in 1902, the original tale follows Alice Hartley, a young lady's maid who is offered a job at an isolated estate on the Hudson River. But soon, Alice finds her new mistress already has a maid, one who is very protective, even in death. Coming up, the fresh air of a country estate becomes suffocating. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The autumn air was so crisp it stung Alice's lungs. She felt breathless as she approached the Brimpton estate. It was a grand home, but oh, so quiet. Even from her short walk up the drive, she could feel the silence waiting for her inside the house and the gloom. But there was no turning back. Alice needed this, both the job and the fresh air. Alice had just recovered from a grueling battle with typhoid. She'd left the hospital with no money and few friends. She thought being in a sick ward was lonely, but being broke and friendless in New York was worse. Luckily, a chance encounter with an acquaintance led to a lady's maid position at the Brimpton Estate in the Hudson Valley. Alice applied immediately, eager to move forward from her brush with death. To her, this dour manner meant life. She approached the grand oak door and knocked. It swung open almost immediately, and a severe, middle-aged woman appeared. She looked Alice up and down. I guess you're the new girl, Alice Hartley? Alice said that she was, and added that she was overjoyed to be there. The woman nodded curtly and waved her in. The woman introduced herself as Mrs. Blinder, the housekeeper, and immediately led Alice through the home at a quick clip. She sped through her instructions without pausing to check that Alice was listening. As for staff, there's a chef, a butler, and me. Not a big house. The mistress likes it that way. Mrs. Brimpton's a darling. Pure sweetness. She's been very frail and rarely leaves her rooms, but she loves to be read to. I heard you do that well. Alice winced at her iciness. Her acquaintance must have sent word that Alice was more educated than the typical lady's maid. In her last post, everyone thought she was uppity because of her reading. She'd hoped to avoid that here. Thankfully, Mrs. Blinder moved on. Mr. Brimpton is rarely here. He's... Well, you'll see for yourself. You know about the children? Alice nodded. The Brimpton's two children had died, though she didn't know how. She was afraid to ask, lest anyone think she was nosy. They went upstairs and moved down a dusty hallway. As they passed an open door, Alice glanced inside. She expected it to be empty, but it wasn't. A middle-aged woman in an apron stood at the window. By her dress, she looked like she was another maid. But Mrs. Blinder had said the only other staff were the butler and the cook. Ah, this must be the cook. Alice was about to call out a hello until the woman turned. Alice's greeting died in her throat. 
The woman's eyes were deep with sorrow. Tears trailed down her hollow cheeks. Her stare was so vulnerable, it was chilling. Alice forced herself to raise her hand in greeting. She was determined to be friendly with the other staff, even if they seemed odd. But the woman didn't return the gesture. She just only stared. Mrs. Blinder's voice echoed from down the hall. Your room is just here. Alice quickly nodded to the woman and hurried over to Mrs. Blinder. Sorry, I was just meeting. Is, is that the cook's room? She pointed down the hall. Mrs. Blinder's expression hardened. That room's vacant and off limits. Put your things away. Mrs. Brimpton will meet you in her room. With that, Mrs. Blinder hurried off. Alice peered back at the room where she'd seen the woman. The door was closed. How very strange. Alice wondered if she'd caught the cook in a private moment in a room she wasn't supposed to be in. She hoped she hadn't just tattled on her to Mrs. Blinder. That was certain to get them off on the wrong foot. Alice turned to her own tiny, barren room. Her new home. Mrs. Brimpton was lovely. She was tiny and made tinier by the mountain of blankets piled around her. Her delicate hands clutched a cup of tea as her bright eyes peered at Alice from the bed. I'm so excited for us to get to know one another. Alice perked up. I can't thank you enough for the position, ma'am. Mrs. Brimpton waved her off. I hope you don't find it too isolating here. It can be, especially for a young woman. I'll let you settle in, and tomorrow you could do some darning. You'll meet Mr. Brimpton when he arrives next week. It could be the week after. He tends to change plans. Two dead children and an absent husband. The estate really was a sad place. And poor Mrs. Brimpton with nothing to do but drink tea. There was something about all this that reminded Alice of the loneliness of the hospital, of the days she'd spent huddled in a cot, wondering if anyone in the world cared where she was. She had a lot in common with Mrs. Brimpton. Perhaps... No. A fancy mistress would never... But maybe... Maybe they could be friends. Alice smiled. Just let me know when you need me. I assume you'll ring? It was a simple question, but Mrs. Brimpton looked panicked. No, I'll ring Mrs. Blinder. She'll fetch you. Alice was puzzled by this reaction. Alice had seen a bell in her bedroom. Why would Mrs. Brimpton rather ring for Mrs. Blinder than for Alice directly? This simple thought reminded her Mrs. Brimpton was a lady and Alice was just staff, always to be held at an arm's length. She was foolish to think Mrs. Brimpton could be a friend. The next morning, Alice had a stoic breakfast with the household, the cook, the butler and Mrs. Blinder. The strange thing was, the cook was not the woman she'd seen in the room yesterday, and the butler was a gruff old man. Alice was chilled 
Who had she seen? Shortly after breakfast, Alice approached Mrs. Blinder to ask where the sewing room was. The housekeeper was predictably snippy. We do not have a sewing room. Not anymore. It was turned into your room. There is a sewing machine in your closet you can use. Alice stammered. I had no idea my arrival caused such inconvenience. Where have the other maids slept? Mrs. Blinder wouldn't meet her eyes. In the room down the hall. Alice again recalled the woman she'd seen. So that room had been the former maid's? Then perhaps we can use the vacant room as a sewing room. Mrs. Blinder shook her head vigorously. Leave that room alone. Alice startled at her tone, and Mrs. Blinder sighed. There's a lot of the past in this house, and I think it's best to keep moving forward. But I'll tell you, so you'll stop pestering me with your questions. That room you're asking about was Emma Saxon's room. She was the lady's maid here for 20 years. Alice's eyes widened. What happened? Uh, If you don't mind my asking. Mrs. Blinder looked away. The poor woman died, and Mrs. Brimpton likes to keep the room how it was. She loved Emma like a sister. Alice was reeling. She had so many questions, but before she could say anything, Mrs. Blinder hurried off, muttering something about a pastry she had left in the oven. Alice drifted upstairs in search of the sewing machine, but paused in front of Emma Saxon's room. She wondered, just for a moment, if the woman she'd seen in its shadows was Emma. The thought made her nauseous. She'd felt the cold cloud of death hover over her in the hospital, and now it was here too. Maybe she would never escape it. A creak echoed through the hall. A flutter of footsteps followed. It came from within that room, Emma's room. Alice jumped back from the closed door like it had stung her. But a second later, the hall was silent. Alice told herself to breathe. This was an old home, and she couldn't get in a tizzy from every little creak she heard. It was best to put Emma out of her mind. And she did. Over the next week, Alice's worries about the vacant room faded as she sank into a routine. Mrs. Brimpton was a lovely mistress, and Alice found she liked not living by the ring of a bell. But a dark cloud soon arrived in the form of Mr. Brimpton. He came without warning, setting the entire home on edge. He snapped at the servants and spent all evening yammering at poor Mrs. Brimpton about dramas in the city. Then, the next morning, he was gone. This appeared to be normal. Alice learned from the other servants that Mr. Brimpton was a bitter man who resented his wife for her grief. He only returned at all because he cared too much about appearances, and when he was home, he made sure to let his wife know she was a burden. Over the course of the next month, Alice only saw him twice more. And each time he came, she noticed Mrs. Brimpton grow weaker. Slowly, the only person who showed Alice any warmth receded into despondence. 
Just like the onset of winter outside, the house grew darker and colder within. Alice bundled herself tightly against the chill air every night, but the cold was always deeper. Nothing ever felt like enough. One night, a loud ringing woke Alice from a deep sleep. She shot up and was greeted by pitch darkness. At first, she thought she was imagining the sound, but it kept going. She realized with a jolt, it was the bell above her door. She fumbled to light the lamp by her bedside. Mrs. Brimpton needed her, but when she reached out, she didn't feel the wood of the matchbox. Instead, she felt an ice-cold hand close around her wrist. Before she could scream, its frozen grip yanked hard. Alice was pulled from her warm bed and into the frigid blackness of her room. Coming up, Alice meets the other lady's maid. I'm Sarah Turney, host of Disappearances, a Spotify original from Parcast. In 2020, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and finding that the truth may be even harder to locate than the person. Who forced a famed explorer to lose his way? What did a missing Hollywood starlet leave behind? And how could the heiress to a Chicago candy fortune just vanish? Every Thursday on Disappearances, join me for a deeper look into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Tracking timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the actual truth. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Alice lay on the cold wood floor in a trembling heap. She'd awoken to the shrill ring of her maid's bell when someone pulled her out of bed. Except, there didn't seem to be anyone in the room, and the bell had stopped ringing. Alice squinted into the dark, but the blackness was impenetrable. She strained her ears, listening for any sign of the intruder. But nothing pierced the silence. No breath or hint of movement. If someone else was in the room, they were unnaturally silent. Finally, Alice forced her limbs to move. She lunged in the direction of her nightstand and fumbled for the matches. She struck one and lit a candle. The room was empty. Relief flooded her. It must have been a nightmare. 
Her mistress never rang for her. But then, Alice looked up at the bell above her door. It was still quivering. Alice held the candle in trembling hands and got to her feet. As she made her way through the dark manor towards Mrs. Brimpton's room, she noticed the house seemed so much bigger in the dark, each hallway a yawning abyss. Shadows leered at her. Every creak sent her pulse racing. Finally, she reached her mistress's door and knocked. Ma'am, are you all right? The door swung open. But it wasn't Mrs. Brimpton who answered. It was her husband. And just what do you think you're doing? Alice hesitated, confused. No one told her Mr. Brimpton would be arriving in the middle of the night. Finally, she replied, The mistress rang for me. Mr. Brimpton swayed on his feet, and Alice smelled the acrid scent of alcohol. He was drunk. She peered past him into her lady's chambers. There was a faint fire in the hearth, and Mrs. Brimpton laid in bed. She was still, troublingly so. But then, mercifully, she groaned. Alice pushed past Mr. Brimpton and hurried over. Mrs. Brimpton was shockingly pale. Eyes half open, she reached a hand toward Alice and whispered, Emma? Alice's heart fluttered. Emma. Was it true then that the ghost of Emma Saxon lingered? Had Mrs. Brimpton seen her? Before she could ask, the fog left Mrs. Brimpton's eyes. She focused on Alice, and the sight appeared to make her terribly sad. Oh, Alice. I must have been dreaming. Mr. Brimpton's shadow fell over them. Enough. She's fine. Get back to your room. Mrs. Brimpton nodded and looked away. But before she did, Alice thought she saw a flicker of fear in her mistress's eyes. Alice did not sleep much that night. She couldn't stop thinking about all the mysteries of the house. If Mrs. Brimpton was asleep, and Mr. Brimpton hadn't wanted her there. Who had run for her? And what was wrong with Mrs. Brimpton? She looked so ill and scared. Was Mr. Brimpton dangerous? She wished dearly she had someone, anyone, to talk to about all this. The next morning, Alice rose early and hurried to Mrs. Brimpton's room, hoping the daylight would give her answers. She reached Mrs. Brimpton's door and lifted a hand to knock, but she stopped at the sound of Mr. Brimpton's angry voice inside. He was yelling at her mistress. Alice pressed her ear against the wood. She could only make out snippets of conversation. They were arguing about Mr. Brimpton's regular trips. She could hear Mrs. Brimpton's weak voice asserting that he was never home. Mr. Brimpton sneered. Perhaps I'd visit more if my wife was still the woman I married. If you're going to wither away, you should at least be quick about it. Alice heard someone down the corridor and tensed. 
Mrs. Blinder had caught her eavesdropping. Alice turned, about to stammer out an explanation. But Mrs. Blinder wasn't there. Another woman stood at the end of the hall. Alice knew her instantly. It was the woman she'd seen the first day she'd arrived. The same pale face, the same melancholy, wide eyes. Emma. Ice raced through Alice's veins. This was no cold touch in the middle of the night, no unsettling footsteps. This was truly a ghost. Emma stared at her silently, her wide eyes arresting. But though all of Alice's instincts screamed at her to run, she was frozen, held in place by immeasurable fear and curiosity. Emma didn't look threatening. She looked sad. With one hand, she beckoned to Alice. Then she walked down the hall. Alice's feet moved to follow. She couldn't say how she knew, but she could tell from Emma's eyes that she didn't seek to harm. She needed something else, and Alice was desperate to know what. So one lady's maid followed another through the deserted early morning halls of the Brimpton Manor. Alice opened her mouth to ask where they were going, but her voice caught in her throat. To speak would be to destroy whatever dream she'd stepped into. Soon, Emma led Alice outside. As Alice followed, she realized Emma's feet weren't making footprints in the snow. There was no trace of her at all. They arrived at the open gate of a graveyard and Emma slipped inside. Alice's teeth chattered, but she continued to follow. They walked until Emma stopped. She turned and pointed at two small headstones. The names Mary Brimpton and John Brimpton were etched into the marble. The Brimpton's children. Suddenly, Emma's mouth opened, but she didn't speak. She couldn't. Alice tried to help. What do you need? What about the children? Emma shook her head furiously, her jaw frozen in a silent scream. Whispers filled the air, wind through snow all around them. The words sounded far away, but if Alice strained, she could hear them. It's happening soon. It's happening soon. It's happening soon. Then the blinding white of the snow obscured her entirely. Alice shouted into the wind, Come back! Emma! What is happening soon? But there was no answer. Whatever test Emma had just given her, she'd failed. By the time Alice returned to the house, her lips were blue. Mrs. Blinder's eyes widened in shock when she saw the near-frozen maid. She draped a blanket over Alice's shoulders and sat her down by the kitchen fire. For the first time, Alice saw worry in the housekeeper's eyes. It's the same thing, isn't it? Alice looked at her in confusion, 
is what the same thing. Mrs. Blinder busied herself with making tea. There were a few maids after Emma. I'll admit I should have told you. All of them left after a month. Same thing, all delirious and off-kilter. Don't know what it is with young girls. Alice gritted her teeth. It's not young girls. It's Emma. She's still here. Mrs. Blinder's face hardened. Don't be silly. Emma's gone. And you will be too if you keep up these fantasies. Now, be useful and bring Mrs. Brinton her tea. The pit in Alice's stomach grew. Is Mr. Brinton still here? Mrs. Blinder shook her head. Lucky for us, he set off for the West Indies. We won't see hide nor hair of him for a while. Alice slowly nodded, trying her best to appear reassured by the news. Alice didn't rest easy that night. Her head ached, trying to decipher Emma's warning. Was Mrs. Brinton in danger? The mistress had seemed especially ill today. And what did her children have to do with it? Finally, Alice's tumultuous thoughts lulled her into a restless sleep. Before she drifted off, it occurred to her she hadn't felt lonely all day. Somehow she understood. Whatever doom was coming, she and Emma were in it together. Alice awoke in the dead of night to her bell ringing frantically. She was on her feet in moments when a whisper burst from her lips. It's happening now. Alice was startled by her own voice. She didn't know why she'd said it, but that bell meant her mistress needed her. She hurried down the hall, not even bothering to grab a candle. When she reached the stairs, the hair on the back of her neck stood up. A pale face looked from the upper landing. It was Emma Saxon, peering dreadfully down into the darkness. Alice flew up the stairs to Mrs. Brimpton's door and knocked. Mrs. Brimpton, are you all right? Not hearing an answer, she kept knocking until the door opened. Mrs. Brimpton's pale, nervous face appeared, a lit candle in her trembling hands. Alice said breathlessly, My bell rang. Mrs. Brimpton went white. She stumbled over to her bed. Alice followed, shutting the door. As soon as she did, a sound echoed through the house. A man's heavy footsteps on the stairs. Alice held her breath. There was someone in the house. That must be what Emma was warning her about. They were in danger. The door flew open behind them. Mrs. Brimpton screamed and dropped to the bed in a faint. Alice whipped around. The intruder was Mr. Brimpton. He wore travel clothes and clutched a bag. Mrs. Brimpton moaned from the bed, her face scrunched in pain. Mr. Brimpton looked disgusted. What is wrong with her? Alice was rattled. She's fainted, sir. You scared us. He scoffed. 
I should have known better than to come back to this den of gloom. Mr. Brimpton flew to his closet. Alice tried to regain his attention. If Emma's warning wasn't about an intruder, it had to be about Mrs. Brimpton's health. Please, sir, we need to get her to a doctor. She's not well. He waved her off. She's always acting like this, wallowing. Her need for attention knows no bounds. I came back to change clothes before I depart for the Indies. Alice was shocked he could be so callous. She tried again. She needs a doctor. Mr. Brimpton didn't respond and made his way to leave. A burning fury suddenly erupted within her. For pity's sake, look at your wife! Mr. Brimpton stopped in the doorway. Alice thought for a moment she'd finally broken through to him. But then she noticed his body was rigid with fear. Emma stood in the shadows of the hallway outside. She looked livid. Her finger pointed accusingly from the darkness at Mr. Brimpton. Her wide mouth hung open in that spine-tingling, silent scream. Alice realized with a jolt that she'd been right. Emma was trying to warn her that Mrs. Brimpton was in danger, only it wasn't from some intruder. It was from her own husband. One so cruel, he did nothing to prevent his own wife from disintegrating into oblivion. A choked voice came from behind them. Emma? Mrs. Brimpton stared at the door from the bed, her eyes wide and full of tears. And then she went still. Alice turned to the hallway, but Emma was gone. Mr. Brimpton took the opportunity to flee, his bag left forgotten in the chamber behind him. He didn't even spare a glance at his ailing wife. Tears pushed at the back of Alice's eyes. She turned to rush to her mistress, but Mrs. Brimpton lay motionless in bed. Alice searched frantically for a rise in her chest, for a breath, but there was nothing. A sob escaped the young woman's lips. Mrs. Brimpton had left with Emma. Emma, who understood her mistress's overwhelming grief but neither of them would be prisoners of loneliness anymore. In death, they had each other, and Alice was alone once again. Like the heroine of this story, Edith Wharton was a perennial outsider. Born in 1862 to a wealthy family in New York, Wharton lived much of her life between both Europe and America. With one foot in each of these worlds, it seems fitting in was difficult for the young Wharton, and her intellect often set her apart from her peers. She started writing early and published her first work, a translation of a German poem, at only 15, long before her foray into fiction. Despite her talent, societal pressures set her on an expected path to becoming a wife, and at 23, she married. 
But even then, she was never fully welcomed by high society. As a 1929 New Yorker article put it, for if Boston, the city of her marriage, never forgave her for having been born in New York, her New York never forgave her for having been born in New York and writing about it. This sense of otherness is palpable in the lady's maid's bell. Alice is an outsider, well-educated, yet a servant, belonging everywhere and nowhere. This otherness adds to the story's unbearably desolate setting. The house is literally isolated, but so are the characters within it. Even Emma Saxon, the ghost, is a forgotten spirit few can see. A lonely outsider forever and always. And ultimately, the story's conclusion sparks more questions than answers. Was neglect and grief to blame for Mrs. Brimpton's death? Did Mr. Brimpton actively push his wife to her demise? And how did Emma die? According to Wharton scholar Bridget Zaug, the reader of the story is faced with interpretations, conclusions, and hypotheses he can never verify. In other words, the enigma makes it difficult to establish the truth. Essentially, in reading The Lady's Maid's Bell, we become outsiders also. We are given hints at the truth, but not enough to fully understand it. Just like the characters of the Brimpton Estate, we are left nothing but to grapple with what we have and hope it's enough. Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places Ghost Stories. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast free exclusively on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Alex Garland, fact-checking by Adrian Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden.